Dunkin's new wake-up go-tos mean you never have to choose between breakfast meats again. Now you can get a wake-up wrap with bacon and a wake-up wrap with sausage for $3. That's savory and sweet, crispy and spicy. It's everything you love about breakfast for $3. Wake up your day with new wake-up go-tos. Get two egg and cheese wraps for $2 or mix and match your favorite meats with two bacon, ham, sausage, or turkey sausage wraps for $3. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360-degree sound. Not just here or here, but everywhere. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. On this episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, Noah Davis joins us to discuss the U.S. Men's National Team's qualifier against Honduras and their performance on Tuesday. With the National Team sitting in fourth place in CONCACAF, is the team actually good? Are the expectations set just a little too high? Jurgen Klinsmann constantly bashed MLS. Bruce Arena seems to embrace it. Is MLS good or bad for the U.S. Men's National Team? All this on this week's episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast. I'm Steven Jodderand. Armand Kafai is in Dallas. How's it going, Armand? It's going good. Going good. How are you, Steven? I'm doing well. Uh, we got a guest on the line for a segment here, Noah Davis. He is the uh, editor at American Soccer Now, contributes to ESPN FC, has covered the U.S. men's national team since 2006. Uh, how's it going, Noah? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Ah, pleasure talking to you. And let, let's get right to it. U.S. men's national team. And boy, going into this break about a week ago, none of, well, more than about 10 days ago, none of us had expected we'd be sitting here with one point from a possible six. But, I mean, what were your initial thoughts going back to the Honduras-U.S. game? I, I think it's... Uh... It looked very, very, very dire until right at the end, and I think that goal that Bobby Wood scored uh, is gonna—it's gonna be huge if they do end up qualifying for the World Cup. I mean, zero points there, and Honduras getting three points—that's a huge difference than both coming out of that game with a win. I mean, still, still a lot of work to do, but uh, work that seems like they can actually do it in the next two games. Whereas, and if they had lost that game, that would have been just a complete and utter debacle. Isn't that not a debacle now already? I mean, it's a debacle if they don't qualify for the World Cup. It, 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 you know, that those two performances were not great. I thought they were actually uh, got kind of unlucky against Costa Rica. I thought they outplayed Costa Rica for long stretches of that game. I was at Red Bull Arena, and they really had a lot more chances. I think uh, you know Keller Navas was incredible in goal, and and Tim Howard was not. Um, and that's not 
to say that there weren't, uh, you know, they they did get outplayed a little bit here and there. Um, and it's certainly not all Tim Howard's fault, but uh, the difference in goalkeepers was huge that day. Uh, it's certainly not a great result to draw Honduras when you would have really liked to see a win. But uh, all that matters is whether they qualify for the World Cup or not. I mean, if they don't, that's, that's a debacle. If they do, uh, this qualifying cycle was kind of a mess, but they ultimately got there, so... I mean, I agree. I definitely agree. I think the United States, all they need to do is get to the World Cup. And the point uh, masks a lot of the issues within the national team. But the point also gets the United States closer. If they had lost against Honduras, I think it would have been uh, an, an issue. Panic button over and over. But they got the point. Now they're, they're, they're clearly in position to, to, to qualify and not have to. You know, they kind of control their own destiny lack of a better term but Armand I don't know what what were your thoughts of the on the USA Honduras game uh well honestly um like like I was saying on Twitter going back and forth uh, um I thought the result was quality but I thought the performance was uh very poor for lots of stretches of that game Honduras looked like the better team uh to be honest USA looked disorganized um well and they looked like they looked like honestly they could have been down 2-0 3-0 at even some points of the game which was which was uh, it's kind of scary if you're USA fan, but that switch to the uh, three back line I th- thought was really important. Um, and uh, at the end, they got that last goal by Bobby Wood, which basically saved saved their uh, chances at the uh, qualifying for automatic qualifying in the World Cup. I mean, I think without that, you would be look- we'd be talking about a completely different uh, situation right now. Absolutely. Now, no, it's one point from six. Um, what were your expectations from over the two games? Did you expect them to get six from six, four from six, three from six? Um, I think four was was a realistic expectation. I think they certainly could have gotten six. I mean, I think anytime the U.S. plays in the U.S. Uh, in World Cup qualifying, they should expect to win with yeah. you know possibly the exception of the games against Mexico. Um, but but even that, I think you know the U.S. should expect to. To get a result against Mexico in the U.S., uh, I, I do think having gone to a lot of these road qualifiers in CONCACAF, uh, I was at the last two qualifiers in Honduras, not not this one, but the one in 2009 and the one in 2013. And um, I think if you've never been to one of those games, you know, you kind of don't realize what a difficult environment it is. Uh, terrible, terrible fields, uh, very hot conditions. You know, they played this game in the middle of the afternoon because the U.S. players wouldn't be used to the heat. Um, you know, intimidating. And uh, so I think, you know, a tie, I think a lot of people expect wins on the road in CONCACAF. Um, yeah. And I think I think the U.S. certainly could have beaten this Honduras team just because they're, they're not, uh, you know, as good as they've been in the past and sort of had a poor poor run in qualifying. But I, I think realistically, you know, thinking that game, you should have got you should have beaten Costa Rica at home and then tied against Honduras. Um, that would have been sort of the realist, realistic expectation in my mind. Yeah, I think Honduras, uh, San Pedro Suela is a really intimidating place. I mean, I read that monologue uh, uh, from that from that writer uh, who said it was more intimidating places in, in CONCACAF. Um, it, it it is it is a tough game and again against a team like Honduras a draw would is is impressive well not really impressive but quality on the road I think it was just more the performance that was put out if if that makes any sense I mean I'd be okay with I'd be I'll be hundred percent okay with a draw I'm number one advocate I mean, draw on the road when you're when your home games um, but I just think that the the way they played it was a, kind of a sign of of worry just 
it was uh, well it was just, like it's, it it wasn't it wasn't the best performance you know no it's like the eye test where you, you know team won but you, you just say it just wasn't a good performance like you know you just the eye test in in sports the eye test means a lot when you watch a game you know a team could have won one zero but you're like boy did they get lucky there you know it was just not a good performance from all around i think the u.s men's national team showed that yeah they got a big point but that big point masked a lot of the issues who's to blame more bruce arena or the players <laughs> um i i thought uh, arena who had been very very good since he came on kind of missed a little bit i i didn't think that christian pulisic was very good out on the right wing, uh, either against Costa Rica or in Honduras. I think he has shown that he should be the center of the field. You know, I mean, the, the offense should run through him. So it was a little disconcerting to see him out on the right. Um, Why do you think I, he I did agree start him on the wing? Uh, I mean, he's done that away in the past. You know, he did that against in the Panama qualifier, and Christian created that goal that got the tie. So um, I, I can see that. A li- maybe uh, in Honduras, although even now I think that Pulisic has proven that he should play in the center. Um, it was very confusing to me at home. I-, I think the idea was to you know get him in some space out on the wing, um, and so maybe he could go one-on-one, but it was very clear that both Costa Rica and, and Honduras kind of looked at the U.S. team and they said, okay, this is the only guy who can you know, hurt us with the ball at his feet. So we're just going to double team him. And then when he gets a little bit of space, we're just going to knock him down. Um, And so I don't think that, you know, I I think the idea to move him out to the, to the right wing, I I understand that philosophy, but um, it was very clear early on that it it wasn't going to get him space. And so I think you could have made some adjustments and, and I think they did. I think he moved a little more centrally towards the later stages of the game in, in both games. Um, so I think that was that was one of the things. And, and, and to your point, I mean, the Honduras, you know, the result is fine. Um, but the actual the chances favored Honduras. They easily could have had a couple of goals. And yeah, I think easily. that's the thing about that's the thing about soccer is that, you know, there are so few uh, goals that the result very often doesn't in, is not indicative of what actually happened in the game. It's not like basketball or football where, you know, the better team generally wins in those sports, but uh, because there are so few goals and those are the actual, the only things that actually matter. I think the, the results are sometimes deceiving and, and that Honduras game for sure is one of those. Yeah, no, I mean the, the Honduras game is, is it was interesting to see because of the weather, the time, like, you know, starting at, at, at this high, High point of the afternoon. It's hot. But what about the the MLS aspect? Because Bruce Arena kind of got away from the European players against Honduras and went MLS heavy. Um, do you think there was a reason why he did that? Uh, yeah, I do. I think one is that the European season is very early, so I don't think those guys are as fit as they are. Uh, I think two, um, it was really, really, really hot in Honduras, and the MLS guys hold up a little bit better. Uh, you know, it, most of the European teams play in pretty cool environments. Uh, I, I, it, it probably is never, you know, 95 degrees in, in Stoke uh, where Jeff Cameron is playing, although I, I was a little strange to see Cameron not play. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't uh, – I think the MLS guys just – held up better and i think a lot of those guys couldn't end up playing two games in a row and so he kind of you know went with more of the european guys in uh harrison at rebel arena and then went with the mls guys in honduras um i think also you know there's honduras has a lot of mls guys so there's some familiarity there um, which may have played a role as well 
what about Bradley and Acosta in the middle? Armand, you you've been advocating for those two to to play with each other I, I, since the goal. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I like the, I like those two ever since actually the Mexico game where uh, you saw Bradley uh, play a lot better with a. Uh, uh, Costa doing all the dirty work and Bradley being able to focus on one thing. I thought Costa played well. I mean, he had that free period of playing him at left back, um, and Lapo killed Jurgen for that, but they had to do it. Uh, but um, I thought I, I, I thought the Acosta Bradley pairing uh, was fine. Um, I think the MLS heavy uh, side was also fine as well because I mean, like you said, Noah, they're more into the season. And also, some of these players have played in CONCACAF Champions League, so they've played in conditions kind of like the one in Honduras. Uh, I know uh, uh, FC Dallas did when they played Arriba Unido. Um, I know some of those players have experienced that as well. So, I mean, I think I don't have an issue with him going with the MLS uh, heavy side. I, I, I don't uh, either. I, I definitely see why. It is going to be interesting to see what Bruce Arena does uh, in in a, about a month time when you have these two massive games coming up uh, it's going to decide whether the United States qualifies or you know goes into the playoff um, and then what about why do you think we've come to this point Noah after the Klinsman era with the Bruce Arena I mean Bruce Arena started like you know 14 games on beating he was rolling he had won the gold cup but how the sudden have we shifted over a period of you know Ten days from the United States looking to be okay, they'll they'll be fine now. To kind of like people hitting that panic because that's what happens. I mean, <laughs> the U.S. has a couple; they have a bad. Re- I mean, well, one, I, you know, one; those were two bad results. So I think let's let's start there. I mean, that that Costa Rica to to get zero points against Costa Rica at home is bad. Uh, so I think it's it's right to not panic, but at least let's acknowledge that fact. Uh, and two, I think the U.S. fan base. Um, just swings wildly based on yeah. not even the form of the team, but based on the results, um, which is something that I, I think I've tried to, you know, take a little bit more of a middle ground and say, okay, well, what's, what's actually going on here. So, I mean, I, I think there are, there are reasons to be concerned um, and the qualification road got tougher and not easier, uh, you know, over after the last two games. And so that's a bad thing. But uh, I, I think that the panic is, the panic is something in the U.S. fan base, um, and it's very much a you know what have you done for me yesterday kind mm-hmm. of thing, uh, mm-hmm. which which is which is not healthy or helpful. My, my thing is, I think a lot of United States fans they un- underestimate the uh, other sides in Concacaf, like the like the Honduras, like the Costa Rica, um, like the Panama. I mean, I think they feel like these teams are, uh, as one of my friends uh, put it, like Malta. Like, they should be crushing these teams. And uh, to be honest, I, I think these teams are a lot closer to the U.S. quality than we, we think. And, uh, I mean, I was pressing, I would be pressing the panic button right now because of the way that they were playing. But, I mean, these teams aren't just rollovers, you know. These teams are still quality size. And especially playing in uh, some of the some of the uh, Central American uh, countries is, is, re- is relatively tough. Now, does that excuse... Their performances, no, but, but I, I think people don't realize that these sides are still quality and still great sides. Now, Noah, you said something interesting. You, you said you want to take the middle get ground approach because you think the U.S. men's, uh, the U.S. fan base swings according to the results, and I definitely agree. But could you not say the performance on the field is concerning in the way that they they're tactically set up? 
was a failure by Bruce by not starting a, a back three and how they looked in Mexico where you're like, wow, this team actually clicks. And then you're at home against Costa Rica and then suddenly it just kind of the, the pairing of Tim Ream and uh, Jeff Cameron was an absolute disaster. Could you not – would you not say it's concerning on the, uh, on the premise of how they've performed, not based on the result? I mean, I, I think I did say it was concerning. I just don't think that the, the sky is not falling. You know, I, th- I think yeah. there's a line between being critical and saying, oh, this is the worst team in the world. Bruce Arena, fire Bruce Arena, uh, bring back Jurgen, you know, bring back Bob Bradley, kill everyone. Uh, you know, I, I think there are there is a balance. You can say that there were some mistakes. I mean, um, I, I, you know, there is a question about whether Tim Ream was there, but also Tim Ream played, you know, he played in New York. He knows that game. He has played well in, uh, you know, in Europe. Uh, I thought Jeff Cameron, you know, that was the worst individual game I've ever seen him play, but Mm -hmm. that's like, that's not a, that's not a formation thing. That's just sort of an abnormality. You know, I mean, that's not, I I don't think that he's going to have another horrible game like that. And there's also nothing in his play at Stoke that would cause me to think that that would have happened before. Um, you know, and like I said, again, I think they probably, if you play, if that exact same game happens against Costa Rica 10 times and everything shakes out as it does, they probably win that game seven times. You know, if, if they call that penalty against Altidore early on, then it's probably one nothing U.S. and that totally changes the game. If, you know, Navas doesn't make that ridiculous save on uh, Pulisic's shot late right. in the game, it, it's 1-1 and then we're, we're having a different conversation. Um, I agree with you guys that, you know, the Honduras performance, if anything, even though the result was better, the performance was more concerning. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that it's time or uh, necessary or smart to, to write this team off or, or write arena's tactics off and kind of forget about what happened in the eight months prior when people were pretty excited about what was going on. And, and I don't think arena has been perfect then either, but uh, it, he certainly, you know, pulled a lot of the right levers and then just got some things wrong in these last two games. And, and also the results didn't follow. So I think there's a lot of different things going on and, and it just sort of, I think the, the U.S. fans and, and some of the media is kind of prone to hysterics, um, which which is fine and well, it's fun and it you know makes people makes people talk. But I I don't think that that's actually what the reality is. I mean, it, it, it's interesting because um you have uh, a lot of sides uh, saying it was it was it was, a, it was a great draw, it was a good performance. I mean, I feel like sometimes the media isn't as uh, harsh on uh, Bruce as they were on uh, Jurgen. Now that's a common uh, opinion. I've I've seen it online. Oh, people say that's not true you know uh they're equally as harsh i, I think my thing is um it, it, it was i'm not even a jurgen fan i want him fired i mean it that that let's be honest he lost the team and he had the team it was just disaster but um i just thought that like some of the media were spinning it they weren't they were saying you know it, it was it was a good draw it was a quality draw and like i said i thought the result was good but i thought the performance was bad and i mean i didn't really see anyone uh i, I mean i saw some people criticize performance but i didn't see, i didn't see many to be honest um and i i just i, I don't think that we should we should we should be satisfied with that performance um but i felt like the media was was okay with it they're just like yeah it was a good performance do you think there's like a just a different uh media coverage of the team with uh bruce on the realm instead of uh klinsman maybe like a, a looser uh, scope 
not entirely, no. I mean, I, it encouraged you to go back and read the coverage of Klinsman for the first 18 months or so, and I think it was, by and large, very positive, and I think he got... Uh, not everybody, but I, I think he yeah, got, absolutely. Um, I, I think he got a lot of benefit of the doubt too, and I think I think frankly that's helpful for a new coach because mm-hmm. you know coaching a national team is a weird thing. It takes time. Um, you don't see these guys very much, and I think the worst thing you can do uh, is you know do what Mexico has done in the past and has now gotten away from a little bit to their credit. But you know where you get a string of three bad results or, you know, a couple of months that are bad and yeah, you yeah, fire yeah. the coach and then you move on to another coach and, uh, you, you know, you play in and the media goes crazy. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, are there times where people are maybe not as critical of arena, uh, as they could be, or, you know, coming out of that draw, um, could, could someone, you know, could you be five or 10% more critical or, or whatever you want? I mean, I mean, sure. But that's, that's a level of degrees. I don't mm-hmm. think that there is the, the narrative of Bruce gets a pass where Klinsman didn't, I think is uh, just, just not true based on the first kind of, you know, year, 18 months or two years of, of Klinsman's tenure. I mean, once, once everyone turned, they turned uh, pretty, pretty dramatically. And uh, in some ways kind of forgot about, we're not able to see anything good that he did. Um, so it, it went both ways with Klinsman, I think. But uh, I think Bruce is still in that, um, not a honeymoon phase, but he's in, he, he's not getting a free pass. I mean, he's, you know, maybe, maybe some people are a little bit, a little bit less critical than they might otherwise be. Um, but, you know, they like the dogs. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I don't think that there is uh he's not a, he's not getting a free pass in a way that Klinsman did. I just, I just don't think I, I see where that argument is coming from, but I just don't think it's true based on you know being around the first couple of years of Klinsman's tenure. No, I mean I I think it's it's an interesting division between Klinsman and Bruce Arena. This is Bruce Arena's second term, so we know what he's used uh what you know we're used to seeing him at the helm of the U.S. Men's National Team. I think at you know, it's easy to sum it up because the U.S. men's national team is going to qualify for the World Cup. That's not the fear. My fear is that we're still, you know, you know, get to the group stage of the World Cup, maybe get out of it, and then are we ever going to build onto a deeper run in the World Cup? That's that's my concern. It's not that we're panicking here. My concern is what are we going to look like in Russia? Because as as the team develops what has changed over the last 15 years when it comes to the global stage of US soccer yes mls has grown but mls is it's its own entity we we definitely appreciate you uh joining us noah where can we find you where can we find your content uh my twitter feed is at noah e davis uh american soccer now espn fc and the ringer primarily where i'm writing these days Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us, and we hope to talk to you down the road. Definitely. Thanks so much, guys. Absolutely. Listeners, follow us on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod. Noah's a what, man, fantastic guy, a lot of knowledge. In fact, Armand was disconnected there for a little bit, huh? Suffering. Yeah, dude. Uh... Uh, I was like knocked out of the conversation for a solid like couple of minutes. I mean, but it was, it was still a good conversation. Um, I really liked what uh, Noah was saying. I thought it was a really uh, interesting uh, debate that uh, well, we he, had. He seems very fair, and it, it's kind of hard to judge somebody who's you can't. He comes across as very fair. He's just like it was bad two results, no question about. Which is kind of hard to see in the U.S. soccer media. In the U.S. soccer media, I feel like it's kind of hard uh, to find someone that was fair. 
absolutely. Uh, I he mean, is a relatively fair. He's not radical on either side. No, he's not. And and we we would have to you know have a longer conversation with him to to really know you know what his opinions are on Bruce Arena and the players. But he understood that the result was bad, and and the point in Honduras was very significant. I think now let me ask you. Honduras, Costa Rica. What game did the United States perform better at? I would say Costa Rica because the Honduras game was an absolute disaster for eighty-three minutes. Yeah, and and, and yet they lost. And in the, you know the Honduras game, they got the point. So it, it's that soccer. That's just the nature of the game. You know, you could have a really poor performance, but you can still get something out of it. Exactly. Uh, it's so, a beautiful game. Yeah, it is a beautiful game for that that reason, but. You know, I think he misses one small point, and it's not to belittle him or his coverage or anything, but my whole argument with the national team is we haven't changed in 15 years. We're still going to get to the World Cup. I don't think there's a – there is zero chance that we miss out on this World Cup, okay? We're in a, we are in a good region of soccer in the sense that it's pretty easy to get out. The hex is very forgiving, but in the span of – since 2002 – Armand, what has changed with this national team? Two, I'm listening. You know, you, you, we, we made it to the quarterfinals, right? Right. And, and since then, we haven't done anything. So it's our like, coach is the same. The coach is exactly the same. And I, I want to remind listeners: just remember Mexico, who had in in the 2014 round of qualifying was a disaster for them. Remember, they they almost missed out on the World Cup until Zussi scored. And uh, they they won the playoff, and then they looked good. They Ochoa made made himself into a statue, uh, taking care of Brazil. Do you remember that game? And then, a statue, you know, yeah. And then you had uh, the, the, the debacle at the end with the – the penalty on Robin in the round of 16 and then you know it, it's all that but the US round of 16 lose to Ghana okay cool you know the expectations that, that's it right yeah basically but I want to ask you what the US media is like you know there's a debate going on what how do you assess this national team uh who who is it um on ESPN FC, now I'm forgetting his name. Craig Burley, Ian Dark, Ian Dark, and Craig Burley both think the the they're average. And then uh, Ian Dark says, "What below mediocre?" Yeah. Thought. Yeah. Um. I mean, I I tend to side more. Uh, I would say with uh, Ian Dark at 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 the moment. Um. It's uh, it's it, it, uh, the team isn't just isn't look isn't looking that well. I feel like we're just going back in time with the uh, the, the, the the tactics and whatnot. Um, and that's not that's not to say the team hasn't looked good. The team has looked impressive. I mean, I just I constantly look back at that Mexico result, that beautiful ex- execution of a three four three, uh, beautiful game. And I thought it was a fantastic tactical thing by Arena. And that's when I thought, okay, it's gonna change. Arena did something brilliantly tactically and the team looks good but we're, we're looking at it now and i feel like we're back to like where we were um i, th- I think we the usa is good enough to get out of the con CONCACAF, but i don't know if they're good enough on the national stage or the worldwide stage if that makes any sense um you you, you look around on the, on the side um i really don't think uh, well 
Hopefully during uh, World Cup time this doesn't happen. But I really don't think Graham Zussi is a starting right back. I don't think Demarcus Beasley should be the starting left back for for the national team. Even though I thought Bruce would start him, I don't think he should be the starting left back. Um, there it's just it's just it's just things like that that are just it's like we haven't the stuff hasn't changed since like what oh six oh two from from then like I feel like I, I don't know I just. It, 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 it's interesting because the USA doesn't have that high of expectations. You know what I'm saying, Stephen? Well, that's the thing is, what are we expecting this national team to do? And then Noah hit it on the dot. The U.S. fan base swings without actually looking at the performances. You know? They, oh, they, like crazy. It's they, bad. They, it's based on the result. And I'm like, that's just not fair because you have to look at the way in which they played. A team could lose, but you say, you know what? They played well and you can't complain about that. You know, or they played solid, and you're like, you know, right, what? exactly. A great, you know, sometimes soccer is, you know, divided by inches, and somebody scores a fantastic goal that the the keeper has no chance of saving, and it's from 30 yards out, and then there you go. You know, what what are you what are you gonna do to that? What are you gonna say to that? But yeah, what, the thing is, we need to understand as as a soccer nation, what is the expectation of this team if you live in germany yes it is to win the world cup if you live in france now it, it was you know in 2016 it was to win the european championship but if you're poland yeah quarterfinals of the euros that was the expectation if you're switzerland the quarterfinals which they failed to get to that was the expectation and it was you know it was disappointing italy for example it's a perfect example soccer nation you know four-time world cup champ they they got what to the the quarterfinals, losing to Germany in, Germ, Germany on penalties in 2016 at the European Championships. But that yet that was a successful tournament because they played so fantastic. It, it captured the nation. It captured people's hearts and soul and and passion. But the U.S. national team, what are we expecting them to do? And I think it's it is to qualify for the World Cup. And if they get to the World Cup, what are we complaining about? It, why, you know, why are fans so, you know, up in arms or swinging left and right? I mean, the, the U.S. could win the next two games three zero each game, and everything is awesome. Woohoo, USA! Woohoo! And, and we would forget about these two terrible performances. Absolutely, Steve. I think you hit the hammer right on the head. I think an expectation of just making the World. Cup should be good enough for this country at where we're at in this in soccer development. Um, I don't think it's a lot. I mean, a lot of countries just get to the World Cup. It's it's a really exciting time. I don't think USA should be disappointed if, like you know, they don't win the World Cup. That's an unrealistic expectation. They're not going to win the World Cup yet. I mean, I, I think the US is good enough to get out of the group stage if they go to the World Cup uh, and play in the uh, in the round of sixteen and uh, maybe lose lose there. I mean, I don't think they're good enough to make it to the semifinal. I, I think if we if we lower expectations i feel like there won't be there'll be less disappointment um i feel like if we say costa rica is a, a, a lot better side than the united states then we wouldn't be saying then a lot of people wouldn't be saying well the usa looked looked terrible um against, against costa rica and it's a terrible result against costa rica um it's just it's just, it's just a common mis- misperception by the uh, american fan and um it, it, it it's, it's like, like i said like i said in our conversation with noah we treat Honduras like it's Malta, but Honduras is a qual is still a quality side. They qualify for the World it, Cup it, in two thousand fourteen. Exactly, they're a, they're a quality they're a quality side, and I think people fail to real fail, fail to realize that. And Noah hit the hammer out of the head when he talked about swinging on a pendulum. 
Like they'll go, oh yeah, they're really great, or, or oh yeah, we suck. There's like, there's no like the last. If you look throughout the last two, what'd you say after the first two games? Oh wow, we suck. Jurgen out, and the next two, we're like, oh, those are good results. They were fine, even though we kind of struggled against Trinidad and whatnot. Then you look to the next two, and you're like, wow, we suck. And now we're we're back at like, oh wow, we suck. So what's the next one gonna be? Wow, we're great after two games. Like it's just it's crazy. No, I mean. Let's 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 start breaking down the rosters of each World Cup uh, since O two, and and I want to ask you, Armand. You know, we we talk about the expectation. Two thousand and two, we had the most successful run at the World Cup, getting to the quarterfinals. We we shocked Portugal in a three two victory, um, right? And then we we, we drew uh, Korea, and then somehow lose the Poland. The host. Yeah, the hose. We lose to Poland, but we had enough to get on th- uh, to get through, and and then we we beat Mexico dos a zero, uh, and that that's really where it began. Then Germany comes up, and boy, did we get unlucky against Germany. Um, absolutely. Was it was it wasn't it not the handball or something happened that that, that I forget that the United States could have beat Germany, and then suddenly you know you're in the semifinal, but. Is that the most talented squad that we've ever had? Is that really the the team that we should look forward to? And everybody's like, well, this is really a, a talented squad with Christian Pulisic, Fabian Johnson, Michael Bradley, Josie Altador. You know, you say, but are we all that talented? Yeah, I mean, it, it it's, it's it's really a interesting debate because, like, is the team really talented or not? I want to say that the team is not as talented as, as we are. As we as we perceive, um, I do think we do have depth in the uh, defense. It just depends on they may mesh well. Uh, midfield, I mean, outside of Bradley, the rest of the team is kind of just like, eh, you know, just so a lot of them unproven on the national team stage. I mean, outside of Pulisic, you have Acosta, you have Nagby, you have Fabian Johnson, who's been coming off injury, who's been struggling a little bit and whatnot. And I mean, now that you're and you have, you have all these, all these midfield, all these midfielders that are kind of, you know, eh. I mean, forwards. You still have Josie, uh, yeah. Bobby Woods broken onto the scene. But I mean, I think they're not the, they're they're not as such a strong side as a uh, like as uh, as we as we perceive. If that if that makes any sense, I think these players are quality MLS players, but are they quality on a national on the international stage? That's no, the question we got to ask ourselves. Yeah, that's the thing is, Christian Pulisic plays in the second biggest, second, you know, Borussia Dortmund's the second largest club in Germany as far as popularity, as far as quality, as far as expectation to succeed. Uh, and and he's performed right. well, but I, I, I get the sense that he comes to this national team and Bruce Arena does a cleansman and puts him kind of out of position or kind of puts him in a, in a spot where he can't, maximize his talent and it's kind of you know it hinders hinders the team fabian johnson plays borussia mönchengladbach they were playing in the champions league not too long ago uh and he was completely useless against costa rica i mean invisible and you don't remember hearing his name whatsoever on, on the broadcast you forget that he even played so, you you go through the squad. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in 2002, who was our best player? Looking through there, I'm not 100 sure. Is it Landon Donovan because he won the Young Player Award? 
I mean, if you if yeah, off the top of my head, I mean, uh, Brian McBride's quality. Claudio Reyna was really good. He played at Sunderland. Um, you know, you had the you look through that roster. Chirindolo was well. Casey Keller, Brad Friedel, um, Demarcus Beasley. Yeah, it's, it's funny how you see his name in O two. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's that old. It's, it's actually funny. It's actually funny. You go down this list. Brad Friedel is a commentator now. Bur- Burhalter is coach of the crew. Mastroni just got fired uh, as a coach of the Rapids. Uh, Ernie Stewart works in the Union front office. Claudio Reyna uh, works in the NYCFC front office. Um, Kobe Jones, a commentator. Demarcus Beasley still plays. Casey Keller, commentator. Landon, commentator. Like it's it's interesting going through our list and you seeing that uh, Demarcus yeah. Beasley is still playing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you you look through that side. I mean, there's something that you notice is uh. There's a lot of uh, European players on that uh, roster. Yeah, it is. It is weird to see that because if you go through it, in 2002 you had 11 MLS base players. 06 it was the 11, but you go to the 2010 World Cup squad, there were four, four MLS players, and you look at that squad. You had Timmy Howard, Boca Negra, Michael Bradley, who was only 22, um, Steve Torondolo, Mark Demarcus Bleasley. Dempsey, Gomez, Donovan, Stuart Holdem, you know, Ricardo Clock, uh, Bundle, um, Altador, Guzan, Adu. You know, you would say that that was a talented squad. And look, they were all playing at, you know, European, uh, in, in what, you know, Klinsmann would say the important leagues in Europe at the Evertons, you know, Bruce Munchen, Gladbach, Milan, Hanover, Fulham. Bolton Wanderers, you know, Frankfurt. You, you saw all these all these players in Europe, and then you see a switch in 2014 and goes back to MLS-based heavy, where suddenly you had this, all this money in MLS and you see these players coming back. So it's you, each period uh, does not correlate to, to success of the national team, but it is... It is a weird swing, and it's interesting to see what happens to this national team in the next ten years. Oh, absolutely! It, it, it is really, it is really interesting to see where they'll go from here because um, we're looking at this, uh, these rosters right now. I mean, what's a trend that we've been seeing in MLS? A lot of the uh, the uh, players that are, are international quality are starting to come back home. Uh, that means that there are going to be more MLS players on the roster now. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is the competition good or bad for them? We're going to talk about that in the next segment, whether or not the MLS is actually good or bad for the national team. Because what was Klinsman's biggest criticism of Major League Soccer? It was it was the lack of quality. What was Why did he really push his players to play in Europe? Why did he say, Bobby Wood, you're better off staying here in Europe? You know, Why did he really try yeah. to get players to stay there? Julian Green, why do you think he brought him on the squad? It was to make the emphasis of, hey... Europe has the best quality. You're going to surround yourself with the best. But we're we're actually going to take a quick break, and we're actually going to continue that thought. Whether or not MLS, with the growth that it has seen in recent years, is it good for the national team? Yep.
Welcome back, listeners. How are y'all doing? We got you know, a nice episode going on. Yeah, a lot of USA. Uh, no MLS talk this week. It's okay. Because I think this national team deserves a lot more coverage than we've seen in the media. Uh, and I'm, I hate Skype, but Skype is wonderful, yet it's a pain in our butts. Yeah, it's been killing me. But uh, hopefully uh, just uh, restart, reboot the computer. Hopefully uh, it will sound a lot better this time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Armand, MLS grown tremendously huh oh yeah it's it's growing fantastically at the rate positive stuff for the league and i've criticized major league soccer i've criticized fc dallas you used to hate major league soccer i didn't hate it i just think it was so terrible (laughs) (laughs) and living up here in wisconsin the great state of wisconsin a lot of great sports enthusiasm enthusiasm here okay sports runs deep packers uh, University of Wisconsin Madison, everywhere you go, but soccer here is like, ugh. and with no MLS squ- squad around, it's boring. Let me tell you, the soccer culture here is even worse than I, you know, Dallas. It's bad enough, but here it's like, oh, soccer is a sport. Like you just don't, you know, people don't seem to recognize it. You'd say, oh, <laughs> do you have a Premier League game on? And they're like, what's that? And you're like, what? what? Like, you go to a bar in Dallas, it's like, it's probably the first thing that's on. Most people will flip to the Premier League games because they know it brings in people. It's weird. But uh, the MLS has definitely grown. And it, and it, it, I think it's starting to become more important. Atlanta United's opening uh, up against, uh, un, opened up against Dallas here in their new stadium. It's going to be and It looks like, yeah, it's going to be starting in a, an hour. Yeah, an hour from uh, from this recording or at this time of the the recording, and it's going to be berserks, right? But has the ma- has the growth of Major League Soccer actually impacted the national team for a for better than worse? You know, has it has it helped more than has it negatively impacted? I think it actually has hindered the growth of the national team because MLS has started to grow this money. Uh, and this money is being distributed now to top players. Well, the top players, and to market-wise, it's the U.S. players, right? Michael Bradley, Josie Outdoor, they're high on the list when it comes to the payroll. Timmy Howard, right? You see all these Americans wanting to come back. Paul Ariola, you know, gets signed from D- uh, by D.C. United. Why? Because he's an American. He's somebody to market around. And and then, so what, what are we going to do? So MLS is going to be... Talent-wise, the best players outside of a couple are American, right? But if you play in a different league, you're not – unless you're Christian Pulisic, you're not at the top-end level. You're always playing against somebody who's higher up on the ladder when it comes to the talent uh, level. So you're going to – you're diluting the, the quality you're surrounding yourself in your competition. It's helping Costa Rica, Honduras, and these uh, countries more than it is helping the United States. Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, debate that you bring that you bring up that the MLS is uh, hurting the uh, U.S. men's national team. Um, uh, my thoughts is it, it is helping Central America. You saw Urania score twice against the United States. You saw Kyoto from uh, the Dynamo score against the United States. You saw Elise from the Dynamo also playing really well. Um, I just I. 
I don't think you can blame the MLS for UJS men's national teams. I think some of that blame needs to fall on the players, if that if that makes sense. It's not the MLS's job to be uh, a league for the for the national team. It's not their job. Just like how the English team can. Uh, I think Marina said this, but it's like the English team struggles, even though they have one of the best leagues in the world. Most of their team are, uh, uh, most of the teams are made up of players that aren't necessarily English. Exactly, foreign based. -based. Yeah, so I don't think it's the job function of the league to provide for the national team, but I do think the national the national team has. I mean, not saying gun worse. I think they just like stay the same. Like it's, well, it's, it's been a constant. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it, it's flatlined. It hasn't. Neg- the national team hasn't distantly, you know, gone down as far as quality level. I think it probably has flatlined, if not gone up. But it's 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 if it's you got to put the U.S. in context of Concacaf. Look at the the Costa Rican squad in the 2006 World Cup. Uh, they had one player playing in Major League Soccer. In 2014, there were three. And then it, just recently, last last week when they played in uh, Red Bull Arena, they had six players from, from MLS. Look at Honduras. One player was playing major league so- in Major League Soccer in 2010. 2014, it was four. And then it, in, uh, when they played the United States, it was f- four again. But you're seeing this growth come up, and you're like, well, the thing is, you see these these players from from Latin America play in Major League Soccer. Major League Soccer is what the second best league here in Concacaf. First, I, I don't yeah, know. Liga MX is number one. Liga MX is number one. Well, they're they're playing against American quality players, so they know what to expect when it comes to the World Cup qualifying. You know, uh, and it, it and you bring a great great example of the U- English English uh, team. Oh, England. You know the Premier League, probably the the most fascinating league there uh, there is in the world. Hell, we we could spend the next twenty minutes talking about the Premier League, and I wouldn't get bored. I'd love it, you know. But you you see the national teams struggle, and you're like, why? Well, you you have this influx of foreign born players who who have a separate issue over there in the Premier League. Let's face it, it's it's not like you said, it's not the league's role to to grow the national team but when the best players in major league soccer are american what does that tell you about major league soccer what does that tell you about the the quality of the national team well when the the the, the um so you said the best players in the uh in the in the team play for the uh mls is that what, is that what you're saying the best play well the best players in major league soccer are primarily american and that's not a bad thing but the thing is i would i would argue against that i would say that david villa is not american i would say giovinco is not american i'd say diego valeri is not american i could go through an entire list of non-american stars all right um, let, let, let's rank them let, let's do a quick power ranking of players in major league off soccer, the top of, top of my of head, head with without Damn. actually looking at any list who is the best player is sebastian giovinco right i'd say giovinco and then i'd probably either probably have to go with valeri um valeri is top notch and then honestly listeners could... i was going to say interrupt sorry Armand. yeah comment if you're listening to this comment on twitter who give us your top five listeners as we go through our top ten, just to see where where Americans rank. Okay, so you have uh, in agreement on this show, Giovinco, Valeri, David Villa. Continue. Um, 
I mean, I'm 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 try, I'm trying to remember. I'm I'm blanking really badly right now. Um, how about Carl I'll, Lauren? Uh, I don't know if Lauren's really up there right now, but I mean, I guess you could say he's up there. Okay. Uh, Nico Nico Lidge, I mean, not right now with his form, but ha- how he was playing. What about Bradley? Uh, uh, Bradley, I would I would say is it, it, within the argument. Um, and result off the top of my head, Altador, I would say he's a top twelve, if anything. Um, just going, just I'm looking through uh the uh, current uh U.S. Uh, men's national team uh roster, and uh I'm just, I'm just looking through uh which players that I think are uh, the best. Um, but like I said, I don't think that the the best players in MLS are necessarily uh, American. I think the best American player plays in the Bundesliga. Well, uh, okay, but let me let me put it on this. The best American players play against quality that are about as equal stature as as it is. Diego Valeri, I mean, how much better is he than Michael Bradley? Is well, he sin- I'll, is I'll he think sin- you compare the two. Well, okay, but is he significantly better? Like, by I a whole so. margin. By, by a long shot. If Valeri was playing for the U.S. men's national team, he'd be higher up on the roster than Michael Bradley. I mean, I think they'd be starting together if, that was, if that's what you're trying to say. Well, but my my point being is the U.S. surrounds themselves with players that are not, you know, tremendously better. You know, they're not going out there. And and I'm now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, maybe the best players in MLS aren't necessarily American. The the market at the marketing behind MLS, you know, it, it's the the American players carry more weight, but. It, I think playing Michael Bradley playing in MLS has has that done more harm for him or good? You know, if Cal- I mean for 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 Bradley it's interesting because I mean he did play well in in Roma and in Germany, but I mean I feel like he hasn't declined that much. If that makes, I think just been consistent. You know, like just a straight line. Now for someone like Kel Nacosta, I think playing in MLS is actually a uh, an important thing. Oh yeah, because, because so it young. gets him. It gets some playing time, and a lot of those players that MLS is now bringing in are they're on the international stage. They're better. I mean, we saw the what a record MLS uh, uh, MLS players being called up. Like these players can play on the international stage. Um, so I mean, I think for some players it's beneficial, but like you know, like for um, a player like uh, I'm just looking through a list right now. Um, like 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 a player like maybe Paul Ariola maybe like maybe MLS maybe you should go to a a, a different side maybe a, a a European side but I mean for some players it's beneficial for other players it's, just, it's it's not a good idea. No, I mean I think it it, it changes on the player right, but yeah. overall as a squad we're MLS heavy based are we not? Yeah, absolutely. How do, no I, if MLS is only second best in Concacaf as far as a league. What's it tell you about the national team? If you're, it, it, I pull Switzerland for uh, as a big example because during the during the 2014 World Cup, I mean, barely any players from the Swiss league got called up. They were all playing in bigger leagues around Switzerland, and I thought that's a good thing. You're playing against better competition. You're playing against better quality. You're playing with players who are better than you. You learn from that. But the U.S. on the other hand. Bruce Arena pulls a roster of how many players 
that were uh, you know MLS heavy. I think in uh, 16, 16 players from from the call up recently were uh, MLS heavy. You know, so it's like, wow, you know, you, you surround yourself with what the same quality players that you surround yourself at the league level, and are you really pushing yourself? Are you pushing each other to get better? Is the, is the talent wise really growing with the national team? I mean. I think yes, it's it's because I think when the league grows, I think um, the, the 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 I think when the league the league grows, it's gonna the help. It's gonna grows. help the national team. The sport, the sport grows. grows, and it's gonna it's gonna help the national team. Um, just I mean, if we're gonna talk about concerns with MLS and the national team, I think my concern is that we have Demarcus Beasley starting at left back at age thirty five. No, and, and what the thing is, I think we, what we have to pay attention to is what is. What is the quality going to be 10 years from now? Think about all these Kellen Acosta, right? He's, what, 22? He's as old as the league, right? So as I mean, the league, just about, yeah. Is, as the league improves with quality, and, and, and what's important is you need to market to youngsters, like, come play for MLS. It's fun. It's a good league to be part of. You know, these players who, who are growing up in Major League Soccer, these youngsters are coming, finally coming through, starting to peak a little bit, right? Starting to, to break into the, the A-teams of Major League Soccer clubs. You, you're going to see, hopefully, the increase in quality as, as more and more Americans want to play. Because right now, you're still bringing in a lot of foreign-based players. The league, uh, I was looking at a statistic um, from an article, I think, written in 2015, it's like forty percent at the time were forty forty percent foreign foreigners, you know. And then in England, it's a perfect example. England for the longest time had an overwhelmingly foreign-born uh, soccer players playing for the top clubs at Arsenal, Chelsea, United, and so on. And how, what did that do to the national team? It, it brought it down. So you need a, a league that is competitive, with filled with quality, and yet prime. The primary players playing in the league are that country's, uh, you know, original players. Look at La Liga. Why do you think Spain's been so successful? Real Madrid and Barcelona have a ton of Spanish players. And those are the biggest clubs in the world playing in the same country, in the same division. So are you saying the uh, national team needs to, I mean, the MLS uh, needs to maybe make a uh, domestic, uh, uh, like a cap or a requirement to... Emphasize maybe bringing in more American-based players, or um, what, what? What would be your what would be your solution? Because I, think, I mean, yeah, I think it, it's really hard. For example, Kellen Costa is in, in, in a dilemma. If he were to go to Europe, how much playing time is he going to get? Probably you know, not that much. Not that much. So you're better off playing here in Major League Soccer. But then you're not you're not playing with better competition necessarily around you. You're kind of limited to what the the league is, and it, let's you know face it, it, it's a growing pain. We're in a growing stage. No, the league's nowhere near to what it's going to be next year or five years from now. So Kellen Acosta is going through this, you know, this swing of yes, let's go play in Europe. But if you don't get any playing time, what's that going to do? Nothing. Probably going to hurt yourself more than it does good. Uh, you know, Bruce Arena calling up, you know, a huge population of MLS players. Well, a lot of them get a lot of playing time. That's good. You know, you're going to get a call up to the national team. Yeah, I would put, I would implement some sort of thing like, hey, you need to carry some American players or doesn't make a, a young uh, DP spot for American, you know. 
Uh, China, they capped they capped it with, with the when they were spending left and right. Now it's kind of falling apart. Uh, but UEFA has some sort of you know rule where you have to have certain amount of homegrown players versus you know foreigners, and you can't bring in this or you know there are rules to to help the you know don't don't come across as uh, xenophobic or nationalistic. It's just you want to grow the sport here in America and you want to have a successful national team. I think MLS should work with the federation in that sense. I'm not saying it needs to be a, a partnership, but there should be a little wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah, maybe like a, a designated player spot for an American. That would be very uh, interesting. I think that would definitely promote bringing the biggest uh, American stars into here. I mean, I don't think the issue is necessarily what the uh, MLS has to do. I think it's all about the, I think it's all like a bit focused back on the players. I think the players are, uh, are a lot of players you have to realize are getting relatively older. And when you get older, what do you want to do? You want to come back home to America and, uh, and, and and settle down. I don't think, I don't think this is a sign of uh, what are things to come. I think it's a sign of our generation that we grew up with uh, that's getting older. It's time for a change of the guard. I mean, we're looking through. I want. I want to go through players that are uh, less than twenty-five on the national team, and there, there, there's four. Or I want to say yeah, four. No way. No, I'm sorry. Five, five, five that are less than twenty-five. Uh, we have Pulisic, who's eighteen. We have Acosta, twenty-two. Ariola, twenty-two. Bobby Wood, twenty-four. Morris, twenty-two. That's a that's a concerning sign right there. I think that's Holy where. Holy crap. That is, where, that is that is that is that is significant on and that is that's where you hit the panic button right there. And that that's when I think that's when I, that's where our issue is. I think I don't think our issue is you know MLS quality or whatnot. I think it's the eight. It's we're we're looking at players are coming back because they're older. That means we haven't really increased our player pool, which is again a sign of de- well, a development uh, issue. I mean, you make an excellent point, but. What about Matt Miazga? He's a youngest youngster. What about uh, you know, uh, Wickers over there, or you know, Hydeman, or you know, Zelen at Arsenal? Yeah, man. But I, I mean, I, I don't think it. I mean, I'm not gonna look at them if they're not called up. To, if they're not called up to no, the uh, qualifying roster, isn't Bruce Arena's job to sit there and go like? The problem is they got themselves in this mess. Well, who are you gonna call up? You're gonna call up the experience. So you know that what MLS is. The thing is. If MLS really wants to be successful, the U.S. men's national team wants to be successful, you got to get youngsters. Christian Pulisic is going to be a name. He's already a name, and it's only growing. You know, I saw a Christian Pulisic jersey at a gas station in the middle of Oklahoma. Really? Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, like, the cultural revolution's already happening. By just him playing at Bruce here, uh, Dortmund, by just mentioning his name people get giddy I mean listen did you listen to the the, the crowd when Christian Pulisic got on the ball it was like Messi getting on the ball the crowd stood silent hoping oh my god what is he gonna do what is he gonna do you know at age no, 18 absolutely no I uh, I, I I agree um, I just wanted um, what, yeah in the, the, the youth the youth revolution is really nice but I mean I just want to compare with uh, another side just so you don't think I'm going crazy. There's only five players. Um, on, I'm looking at the English national team roster right now, and uh, we have uh, Butland, who's below 25. We're looking at Phil Jones, who's below 25. Michael Keane, who's below 25. Stones, who's below 25. It's basically uh, Dyer, the uh, Tottenham 
roster. Ollie, Oxlade, Chamberlain, uh, Shabola, if he got called up, I'm not sure. Sterling, uh, Rashford, that's it's easily 10. Kane, it's like 11. Um, and like you said, no, Arena was put in a tough spot and he has to call up the experience and get, and get those players. I don't blame Arena. I blame that the player pool has an increase that we can't find someone else, you know? No, and yeah. We're, we're stuck. We're, and again, we mentioned this on the first episode, and we keep coming back to this point. And I think this is, it's such an important point. We 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 ha- we're stuck with the same generation of players that we've seen since what 06, 2010. Well, since, since we were twelve. I mean, yes, yeah, we were I, younger and watching soccer. And it's like I, I feel like a, it's just replay. You're just watching the same replay over and over. When besides Christian Pulisic, who's a new name? You know, when are we gonna see? Oh, here comes the next Christian Pulisic. You know, for example, Jeff Green uh, was not Jeff Green. Uh, Julian Green. Julian Green. What was that? But uh, I don't know. Listeners, let us know what you think. Comment, please. U.S. Men's National Team crisis. Good, bad. MLS. Yay, nay. Four, nay, yay. Blah blah blah. Follow us on Twitter, Unc Sam's uh, Soccer Pod. Myself, Stephen Jodorant. And then uh, Armand at K-A-F-A-I Sport. Yeah, you got it this time, baby I girl. I got it. I got it. And uh, we'll be back next week with another great episode. Thanks to Noah for joining us. And uh, have a wonderful week. Stay safe, listeners. Yes. Thoughts and prayers with Florida. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, not just here or here, but everywhere. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving.